Mic check. One, two, one, two. Yo, what's up, man? Is this thing on? <laughs> We're the Queued Up Podcast on Podcast, your weekly source for podcast news, tips, and tricks. From production to promotion and everything in between. I'm John Luckenball. And I'm Matthew Stevens. Two podcast experts ready to help you every Wednesday. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the Queued Up Podcast on podcasting. As always, I am one of your hosts, Matthew Stevens. And again, as always, I am joined by my wonderful co-host, John Luckenball. John, how are you doing this week? Matt, I'm feeling golden. Number Ooh. 50. <laughs> how about that? Not too bad. Almost a full year of episodes here. It went by fast. It did go by fast, right? Both fast and ridiculously slow. Not because of the podcast, but just because of the year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As always, we have a really good show for you this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about a bunch of news. We're going to finish up with iOS 15 being released and some of the new cool features that podcasters can expect to see there. We're going to be talking about YouTube getting in onto the podcast game. But first, John, podcasts are flying high to be specific. According to a recent press release on Pod News, uh, the celebrity catch-up Life After That Thing I Did has signed an exclusive deal with Virgin Atlantic to be played on Virgin Atlantic flights. The podcast Celebrity Catch-Up was started by former BBC Entertainment editor Genevieve Hassan. The interview podcast talks to the stars of beloved television shows, film, and music from the 1980s through the 2000s and explores how their lives were impacted by that sudden bolt of fame according to pod news a select number of episodes will be made available on flights starting october 1st john that's a pretty cool thing you can now on your in-flight entertainment you're not just going to watch a crappy matt damon movie you're going to get a chance to listen to a podcast which is pretty cool it's awesome to see podcasting get into all the different platforms such as in-flight entertainment but i'm not sure about this specific podcast though matt i'm not crazy about celebrity gossip and celebrity lives no i feel you john i mean it's not necessarily my cup of tea either obviously we see celebrity interview podcasts pretty much those are the ones that are signing all the deals right now i will say you know previous episode michael winslow of uh police academy fame i'm definitely gonna be listening to that one i i do have to say i i agree with you not necessarily my cup of tea but it is pretty cool to see that stuff on there for those people that are going to be interested in listening uh, and it definitely creates a new audience or potentially new audience for this podcast. Definitely. You can pick up a lot. What I found here, Matt, is Virgin Airways has averaged between five and six million passengers a year over the last 12 years. Now, of course, 2020 dipped really low because of the pandemic. It only had over a million passengers, but that could be a decent chunk of new audience for, for these podcasts. Which, if it's five and a half million passengers, what do you think would be on the low end of, of listening to a podcast like this? I mean, I think if you're a podcaster and, and you're in this situation, I, I think a realistic number would be like maybe 1%. You know, five and a half million, that puts you at 55,000 or, or, or six million puts you at 60,000. So, you know, for over 12 months, that's, you know, five-ish thousand new listens a month. That's not terrible. And you potentially then pick up, obviously, new listeners. It's a discoverability option. So maybe you go ahead and translate those fifty-five to 60,000 people into regular subscribers. Again, maybe maybe 10% of that. So you're getting like an extra, what, 5,000 or so? What about the flip side of that, Matt? 
So the last time you were on a flight, when have you listened to in-flight entertainment? And my wife and I, we went on our honeymoon to Okinawa, you know, a 13-hour flight. The movie choices were terrible. Don't you think people would rather bring their own mobile phones or wherever they have their podcasts and listen to their, their podcasts of their, of their choice? The cute of podcasts on podcasting isn't going to be offered on these Virgin Airways, at least not yet, right? But if <laughs> yes. people want to catch up on the latest podcasting news, then they're going to have to bring their own devices for this. Don't you think that that is going to be the main way of listening to podcasts on, on these flights? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think we've been conditioned as a society, as people, to bring your own entertainment onto a flight because usually, again, not a great movie selection. It's not a great television selection. I will say we, we did check out uh, Virgin Atlantic's in-flight entertainment options. Some really cool options out there. I mean, so, some maybe not huge blockbuster movies, maybe not huge blockbuster shows, but some interesting ones that you'd probably have to get through a subscription somewhere else. So it is interesting to maybe get that type of thing if you're on a 13-hour flight, uh, for instance. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if, if I'm going on a 13-hour flight, you better believe I'm bringing my own entertainment. And if that involves podcasts, then I already have podcasts that I want to listen to either that I need to get caught up on anyway, or ones that I want to check out. And this is what's going on. I'm not going to plug into the in-flight entertainment personally, but here's the thing. They're licensing enough of this stuff to where somebody has to be. Somebody's got to be watching a terrible Matt Damon movie where they buy a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, something like that has to be happening because you you wouldn't if you're virgin atlantic you're not spending the money don't know how much money but you're not spending the money uh to get these deals to license this content if there aren't some people doing it and you know again i think it just promotes it uh, the idea that podcasts being akin being in the same realm as your television as your movies which is pretty awesome in that degree but yeah john you're right i'm not plugging my headphones into into the back of a headrest I'm wondering what kind of licensing deals will come out of this. We were discussing briefly with, uh, is it going to be specific episodes that are only available on these flights? Or I'm wondering what kind of licensing deals he has to cut to get these podcasts available on on these flights, much like they have to do with licensing costs for these for the videos that you're watching, for the movies that you're watching. Yeah, exactly. That's something that the press release did not obviously say, and I'm sure... Uh, as we were talking about before we started recording, you know, if this does exceptionally well and there's a, a ton of people listening, Virgin Atlantic or the podcast itself will be happy to say, you know, we had X growth. We saw this many people go to this stuff. If it doesn't, we never hear a number. It probably is indicative of, of how it worked out. But yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe this is Virgin Atlantic's attempt to let's see how this works. Let's see maybe where the money needs to go. If you're a podcaster and, and an airline coming to you saying, hey, we want to make this a part of our thing, you know, personally, if someone came to us and said, John, Matt, queued up podcast on podcasting, going to be a part of our inflate entertainment. We're not going to pay you a dime, but we are going to give you the access to five and a half million, six million passengers to potentially boost your discoverability, to potentially boost all that stuff. All we ask is that you, you maybe grab a few episodes and you hold them for us and you make them exclusive to us. I can't imagine we would say no to that, but then again, we're seeing podcasts get sold for $20 million a year. You know, it's interesting to see maybe where that will go over time. And if it is successful with Virgin Atlantic, maybe the licensing deals that come out of that start to rival film and television uh, and maybe even music as well. And we start to see 
this being a, a true monetization method for for podcasters out there. Time will tell. As far as I can tell, Virgin Atlantic is the first one to really make podcasts a part of their in-flight entertainment. Uh, so exciting times. We'll have to see how it all pans out and, and if they expand their roster uh, over the next few months, over the next few years, and if other airlines, Delta, Southwest, so on and so forth, start to incorporate the stuff in there as well as they also try to jump on the bandwagon. Again, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Do they start producing their own content for that matter? We'll also have to be seen. So uh, some early news for you independent podcasters. Again, I probably wouldn't go call up Southwest and go, you want to license my, uh, you want to license my podcast. But as we say so often on this podcast, guys, uh, you know, it helps show the growth of podcasting to random people, to, to the normals, as I want to call them, uh, the people that might not understand what podcasts are, or maybe don't make podcasting such a large portion of their entertainment choices. Maybe this is the type of stuff that starts pushing it more into the mainstream. And we start seeing people, as we've discussed on previous episodes, instead of sitting down and watching a television program, they listen to a podcast as a family. This is the type of stuff that maybe starts pushing that in that direction over the next few years. So big stuff, but we'll have to see. Speaking of big things, and we'll have to see, YouTube is getting into the podcasting game, John. Now, for most podcasters, you've either known of a YouTuber that has then started a podcast, or you personally are putting your podcast out on YouTube. Now, YouTube is seeing all of that and going, hey, time for us to start creating our own content. YouTube recently released a trailer for their newest podcast, their first podcast, The Upload, The Rise of the Creator Economy. Uh, the Upload will talk to rising and established YouTube creators that have turned their channels into successful careers. It'll be a weekly podcast starting on September 22nd. Uh, and the trailer sounds pretty interesting, if I'm being honest. It is interesting to think that YouTube, instead of making this a video that is hosted on their platform, they're doing a podcast specifically, but obviously it makes a lot of sense for them from a marketing perspective of, look at all these people that are making millions of dollars on our platform. Let's branch into another form instead of just being video. Let's do audio so that we can get it out there a little bit more. Maybe start dragging more creators into our platform specifically. Then again, YouTube is kind of the only one out in the game doing what they're doing right now just because they're so massive. They have Google backing them. So YouTube is the second most used social networking site right after Facebook. About 1.8 billion people use YouTube every month. <laughs> now that, it is, man. That is one quarter of the total world population. Adding podcasts is just another reason for this many people to continue to use a website, uh, to keep them on the website. Yeah, it just makes so much sense. Now, the question is, the YouTube podcast, is it going to be video or is it just going to be audio? From what we have up right now, uh, it appears to be audio only, but I imagine it makes sense that you would then release some video component to it, even if just small snippets, clips, that type of thing, in order to push it to the audience that is, is more used to video content. So would it be audio behind a static image or like an audiogram type of thing? Is that what they're trying to push out? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see once we start you know, once, once some of those episodes start to come out, it will be very interesting, uh, how that goes. We, how do they, how do they start really promoting that in that way? Now I will say, you know, the, the page that they have up there, the listen, subscribe buttons are Apple podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon music. 
uh, an RSS feed. It's it's interesting they don't have a specific YouTube page to go directly to that. But again, we'll, we'll have to see exactly how YouTube wants to market this. And I'm sure as they start to figure out their place in all of this, we will see that marketing change in that way. And maybe we'll start to see more content go up on YouTube specifically for that. Uh, but it does seem like they're really branching outside of their own platform to try to drag more users in. And we might not necessarily see any 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 video content with that stuff. We've seen several YouTubers branch out into podcasts off through the YouTube platform. A couple of episodes ago, we talked about Markiplier, and we've seen Joe Rogan. Do you have any other examples of YouTubers that have that have branched into podcast map? Yeah, one of the biggest names on YouTube, Jenna Marbles. Uh, she has a podcast with her boyfriend Julian aptly named the Jenna and Julian podcast. So it got real easy there. Uh, Rhett and Link, who are, again, uh, huge YouTubers doing good mythical morning and also just Rhett and Link, uh, have a podcast called Ear Biscuits. Now, they do have that on YouTube. It is a video podcast, but as well as a an audio podcast, your, your, your traditional method, which is what we've kind of seen from a lot of these. Markiplier also starts off as a stream, as a live stream, they then go ahead and, and and smush it down, make it fit to what they want to do, and put it out as a podcast. So it seems like there's a lot of recycling of content in that regard. Uh, Tyler Oakley, you've got Hank and John Green. You've got Grace Helbig, Emma Chamberlain, Josh Peck, Casey Neistat is on there. Hannah Hart is on there. A lot of the Pretty much, if you're a main YouTuber, if you have a million plus subscribers, chances are you've got a you've got a podcast. So clearly, a lot of these people are are recognizing the power of podcasting to just provide more content to their audience uh, and other monetization methods, which is never a bad thing. So they're all available through traditional audio platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but they also have video versions that live on dedicated YouTube channels, and they're also getting a lot of downloads on those on those YouTube channels. They've really kind of figured out how to leverage YouTube's search algorithm to meet new audiences. Like you said, make more money through through ads and really expand into a medium that's growing rapidly. Absolutely. And we and we talked about it with the Markiplier episode, so go back and listen to that one, but you know, there's a cross-pollination thing here. You already have an audience that is already interested in what you're talking about, already interested in what you're doing. If you can manage to recycle that content in some form, into a podcast, or if you're going to do a separate thing entirely, uh, which we see a handful of, of podcasters doing where this is, you know, the similar vein, but a either behind the scenes of who we are as people and things that we're interested in, or something else a little bit more specific, we're seeing them really kind of branch out in, in this way. Very, very interesting to see them kind of promoting all of their content throughout all of their other content in that way. Again, that cross-pollination that we talked so much about if you have multiple podcasts, you should be promoing your own podcasts as a way to grow those audiences uh, uh, together because they already like who you are. Shows like Joe Rogan, they kind of use YouTube as a first stop, right? Audiences who use the YouTube notifications as an RSS feed, letting them know when a new episode is available to watch. Like, So they would pretty much go to YouTube before they would go to your Apple and your Spotify. Yeah, I mean, if we use Joe Rogan as a prime example of this, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are a, a number of people that maybe aren't necessarily hardcore subscribers to his podcast, 
but see clips on YouTube and go, oh, well, that's a really cool guest. That's a really cool discussion. I want to then listen to the whole thing. So you're using that as a way of discoverability. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the, the search benefit of a YouTube in that way. Again, especially if you have large name guests, especially if you're talking about trending topics, that certainly makes a lot of sense in that regard. Uh, and then again, it's just a great reminder for those people that want to come in there, or even more importantly, for those people that don't necessarily want to listen to a, an entire podcast, and that's still a good chunk of the population. They just want to listen to five, 10 minute clips or, or watch five, 10 minute long clips about very specific things. It allows them to still effectively digest your podcast without having to listen to an hour long episode or, or however long the Joe Rogan podcast typically is. So we talk about it so often here, John, be platform agnostic. YouTube is one of those ways to be platform agnostic. If you're smart about it, if you know your audience and you know how to reach them properly, you can find a pretty sizable audience on YouTube. Uh, either again, through new discoverability or through just taking your already existing fan base and then giving them the bite-sized content that they really want to digest. And they're, they're used to getting on a place like YouTube. Another trick that they kind of do, uh, sticking on a Joe Rogan podcast is, and my, many of these other YouTube creators are doing the same thing. They create a separate channel for their clips. So that lets them take advantage of the YouTube's recommendation algorithm, which you know, surfaces content on specific subjects a viewer is already interested in. It's just another way to reach an even bigger audience by separating it out into its own channel. Yeah, definitely. You get a chance to, and what we see with a lot of these larger YouTubers is, yeah, they're separating it into a separate channel. I think part of that's also to not alienate their other audience uh, because it is typically more long form content in that regard. If you're used to a 5, 10, 15 minute long video, you don't want to watch an hour and a half long one. That might push people to stop watching every video that you've got, which I imagine is is a huge factor into the YouTube's algorithm uh, on on what gets put in front of users. Um, and again, might potentially then start pushing people off of your normal content and going, eh, I'm not going to watch that one. If I didn't watch that one, I'm not going to watch this one either. So I imagine there's a little bit of that. Now for independent podcasters, and we have a much smaller audience that aren't dealing with hundreds of thousands, millions of people. Maybe it makes sense for you to put it all in as a part of what you're doing uh, instead of separating it out of its own channel. Growing a separate channel is its own difficult thing. But there, there certainly is that point where it seems separating that out as a, uh, a new, new channel makes a ton of sense. Now, John, according to a Reuters poll, 26% of U.S. podcast listeners listen to a podcast via YouTube within a month. So that beats... Apple podcast at 22%. That beats Spotify at 17%. And I always say this with any of these stats, giant grain of salt. There's a reason why you're going to see a million different polls from a million different people. We don't know exactly how many people were, were grabbed for that poll. We don't know the audience they grabbed specifically. So grain of salt. But that does mean that YouTube is certainly within the mix of podcast player options is ways of grabbing content for a, a, listener or watcher, should podcasters be putting their podcasts on YouTube? What are your thoughts on that one, John? I'd say that would be yes and no. YouTube reaches a huge active audience and is a top destination for podcast consumption. You shouldn't miss out on that opportunity. YouTube has over 2 billion monthly users worldwide compared to Spotify with 365 million. 
which is about five and a half times smaller than YouTube. Now, YouTube also allows you to interact with your audience, gather valuable feedback, and respond to questions in real time without leaving the platform. Perhaps the best opportunity from using YouTube is that through SEO, it impacts Google rankings. 15% of YouTube's traffic comes from search engines. Google often shows YouTube content among first page results for relevant terms. And with the right use of keywords, tags, descriptions, and titles, you can significantly grow your listener base and is an excellent way to get your podcast discovered. Now, on the flip side, if you are going to use YouTube for podcasts, I really, 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 really encourage you to create high-quality videos for your audience. The same use of static images with moving waveforms or subtitles aren't going to work like audiograms on social channels. In order to have any success on YouTube, you will need to compete with the high-quality, engaging video content that is already on the platform. Matt, do you have anything on whether podcasters should reconsider posting on YouTube? Yeah, I'll say this. My personal thoughts with putting your stuff on YouTube, just like any of the other discoverability apps that are out there, don't do it thinking that that's going to be the thing that's going to get you a million new listeners or, or, or that type of thing. It takes time and effort to grow that audience just like it does on any other app. If, you, if you're promoting your stuff on uh, uh, Good Pods or if you're promoting yourself on, on Podchaser or any of the ones that are out there, that takes time. You know that already. So putting it out on YouTube is not the golden brick road to millions of listens. I say that to only follow up with everything in podcasting is about sweat equity. It's going to take time. If that's if that time, if you don't have that time, and it's going to take away from the production of your episode, if it's going to take away from the other things that are absolutely working for your marketing, that's bad. Uh, if you don't have the time to spend on it, then don't do it. Because if you do it halfway, if you do it poorly, it's only going to make you look worse. And again, it could potentially take time away from the things that are working, the, the reason why people do listen to your show. And you don't want to handicap yourself in an effort to try to chase views in that way. So take stock of the time that you have. Take stock of the time that is needed to properly promote yourself on any channel, any social channel out there, and go, how can I fit this into my overall marketing scheme, uh, my, my marketing strategy? If you're like, you know, I, I just, I don't have the time to sit there and render out a thing. I don't, you know, I want to make it a video podcast, but I just don't have the time or the money or the equipment or whatever. It's okay. Work toward that. Figure out a way to maybe start doing it. If it's something you really want to do, again, we discussed YouTube is the home of a lot of people. There's a lot of content on there. There are a lot of people that come to this page every single day. So there is value there, but you've got to, you got to counter that against how much time you have uh, and your ability to go ahead and do it properly. So should you, it doesn't hurt is what I'll say. What about the Cuda podcast on podcasting on YouTube? John, first and foremost, I am way too ugly to be putting my face on things. <laughs> and then again, it comes down to time. I mean, we, we have, we do stuff for our clients. I mean, some of our clients are on YouTube yeah, um, because their audience is on there and it makes sense for us to do it. For us personally, you know, again, let's peel back the curtain a little bit. Does it make sense for us to do it? Probably not. Uh, could we grow it? Yeah, it's going to take time. It's, which is going to take time away from our clients, from our other marketing, uh, strategies. Is there a bang for the buck there for us? Probably not as much, not unless we want it to do more value added pieces 
that played into certain episodes, but then that requires all new videos that need to be rendered out, things to happen there. It just doesn't make sense for us personally at this time. However, down the road, you, you very well might see a queued up channel that has tips and tricks on it and different things. But as of right now, again, just doesn't make a ton of sense for us specifically. And when that time comes, we can always sit there with a the bag on our face, right? One of those paper, <laughs> one of those paper bags with the cutout eyes and the. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I'll be uh, uh, insert bad football team fan here with the Jets, Browns, or we could do some something like a MF Doom and just you know just wear a, <laughs> wear a mask. Absolutely, I'm all for being uh, the MF Doom podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, a- again, for you independent podcasters out there. That's a really cool feature. It's uh, something that, again, as YouTube maybe starts to push more into becoming a podcast listening platform, as they start to embrace that side of things, maybe we'll see them both promote more of that within the homepage, specific podcast-related stuff. Uh, Maybe we will see them create some more of their own content that they then push out there, just like with the Virgin Atlantic Flights thing. It's still really early in the process. There's some exciting things there. Uh, we'll have to see how it plays out over the long term specifically, but it is worth paying attention to. And again, if you are thinking about it, figure out how it plays into your processes uh, before you just start jumping up there and, and putting some content up on YouTube to make sure that you are doing it properly the first time around. And John, we've got perhaps our biggest story, uh, certainly for a lot of podcasters out there that had some issues recently with Apple, they Everybody. might be delighted to know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 31% drop in, in downloads via Apple. Thanks, Apple. iOS 15 just released, and it added some key podcast features. Now, as people begin to dig through all the changes with the most recent version of Apple's iOS, podcast listeners have found some new features specifically there are now personalized recommendations in Apple Podcasts Listen Now tab. So if you are listening to the queued up podcast on podcasting, it might say, hey, you might also like this podcast that discusses these topics. You might like this thing. That's a pretty cool feature that opens up discoverability quite a bit. It does. But if you remember our discussion with uh, Dr. Sullivan, these discoverability lists that take from AI are they going to put the podcast that you should be listening to? If you're listening to the Cuda podcast on podcast, you should be also listening to, you know, Evo Terra's podcast pontifications or the new media show with uh, Rob Greenley. Are they going to do that? Or are they going to be like, hey, here's the new episode of Celebrity Ketchup or something similar to that? You know, I think that's always a fear. As much as we want to say that these things are going to be helpful, I, th- I think you're 100% right, John. Look, Apple's out to make money. That's what they're around for. That's what any business is for. It's, it's to make money. And that's perfectly fair. However, when we see this type of stuff, again, especially through, through AI, is it a pay-to-play situation? Are we going to see, instead of you know, uh, listen to podcast pontifications, are we going to see, listen to Smartless, their newest episode? They've got Matt Damon on. It's a Matt Damon-heavy episode today. Okay, well, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. It's clearly just a Someone gave Apple a ton of money and Apple is going, yeah, we're going to promote your show everywhere. Everybody should listen to this episode. If that happens, it'll be very sad. I'll be very sad personally. On the flip side, e-commerce has had this functionality for quite a long time. Other apps like Spotify have it. I don't use Spotify as my default podcast player, but we do do have to listen to 
client podcast or prospective client podcast from time to time. And I will use Spotify for that typically. But then it gives me recommendations of like, hey, you listen to five minutes of this thing. You might also like this. And they're usually pretty on the money uh, with that type of stuff. So I don't see it as much with Spotify. The again, listen to this thing that is completely dramatically off the wall different. Apple, on the other hand, has not exactly been in podcasters uh, uh, favor recently. A lot of people in podcasting have been very, very and rightfully angry at Apple. Now, Apple Podcasts has taken a public hit recently, as we just discussed, thanks to their updates to 14.5 and 14.6, which added bugs and usability issue to the app. Users reported delays in podcasts getting updated on the app, playback problems, tons of data being consumed for no good reason, episodes not automatically downloading, thanks Apple, and even hard crashes. At some points, you know, if you, if you were buzzing around the subreddit, the Apple Podcast subreddit, there were a ton of people that were just going, this is now unusable. And if you're on a subreddit, it's probably because Apple Podcasts is your default app. That's the thing you really care about. That's something you're passionate about. If you are losing your most passionate supporters and they're calling your app unusable, that is not good. Apple also recently set up their Apple Podcast subscriptions. That wasn't very smooth either. Uh, it ended up getting delayed. Again, they had a ton of other issues. And on top of it, we discussed previously, I think Apple's taking something like a 30% cut off the top. Not really doing anything, but they're taking 30% of your subscription money for just being able to use subscriptions. I've seen a lot of podcasters go, why? We can go to Patreon. We can go to uh, Coffee. We can go to uh, a million other different ways directly on our website. Why am I going to go ahead and pay 30% to Apple to effectively do nothing, especially when there's tons of bugs like this? So it's great to see Apple maybe take this jump into podcast recommendations. I think that's awesome. It's fantastic. We'll have to see exactly how they do it, though. And we'll have to see what bugs that this creates, too, for that matter. So iOS 15, I'm guessing, is not going to be uh, the perfect rollout, just like every version of an iOS is not a perfect rollout. I wonder the, if these recommendations are going to be available for independent podcasters to feature their podcasts. Yeah, and will will Apple give you the option to go like, ah, we don't really want this one on there. We do want this one on there. I mean, how customizable is this stuff going to be? Again, the name of the game is that customization, I think, to a certain degree with with a lot of this stuff. You know, there are a ton of other podcast discoverability apps out there. Again, good pods that do a lot of these things already. How is Apple going to change the game? Or are they coming in late to this thing and adding a function that really should have been a part of their app years ago? Is this going to be an organic method that is truly open, or is it going to be a pay-to-play situation? And if it is pay-to-play, can any podcaster pay-to-play, or is it only going to be the large networks that get to play? The iHearts, the Spotify's, the Amazons, and all the shows that they own. Again, I'll be really sad if that's the case. Now, I will say Apple has not mentioned anything about really any of it, for being honest. Um, That is one of my other big kind of issues with Apple is Boy, are they not transparent about anything they do. But, you know, yeah, you're 100% right, John. Is money going to be a factor on this? Is culture relevancy going to be an impact on this? You know, what is the algorithm going to favor? Because it's clearly going to be done via artificial intelligence. It's going to clearly be done via an algorithm. There's not going to be some dude saying and and assigning things manually. That's just not going to happen. So how is that going to favor 
things. Again, is it going to favor the podcasts that have 15 million downloads or is it going to be very, very wide open and, and, and it's going to be keyword specific? Marble, uh, which we talked about just a few episodes ago, is a prime example of this that you know they're talking about how they're going to transcribe every episode and then pull out certain keywords in order to help recommend other podcasts based on keyword. Is that truly going to be the case? Or is it going to say, you mentioned Virgin Atlantic flights in here, so here's the Virgin Atlantic podcast. Okay, well, that's clearly not what, it's not the same audience, clearly. And you mentioned Matt Damon twice. Yeah, not absolutely. Three to- not three times. So now we're going to be flooded <laughs> with recommendations for all, all his podcasts, right? Now, tune in next week for the Matt Damon podcast. One of these days, we'll have Matt Damon on. <laughs> Maybe not so much. I did just kind of bash him a good bit early in the show. But again, it is how functional is this going to be? As we were discussing just a second ago, you know, Apple couldn't release a normal update without breaking their Apple Podcast app. How much trust do we give them on being able to create an algorithm that's going to do this properly and efficiently without just a ton of nonsense going on? Time will tell. Um, I'm sure by the time this episode airs, I'm sure we'll have a good idea. But as people start to really listen and and, and figure out and dive into uh, iOS 15, we will start to hear more and more come about this. So this is undoubtedly not the last time we'll be talking about iOS 15 and the new features and the podcast recommendations. Hopefully, hopefully in a month or two, we're talking about it in a positive way. Well, folks, that was an amazing episode. If you care about discoverability, that was a pretty good episode for that. Specifically, Virgin Atlantic is now going to be offering a podcast within their in-flight entertainment, opening the door potentially for more of that licensing uh, in the future. And just, again, the growth of podcasting as a whole is maybe some people listen to podcasts for the first time on their 13-hour flights. YouTube is getting into the podcast game and certainly is, is making waves as a podcast listening platform. We'll see how much they expand into that. And then iOS 15 is beginning to uh, catch up with the rest of the podcast apps out there by offering recommendations. You know, if you like this, you could also like this uh, type of recommendations. All of those things should mean really big things for independent podcasters, especially over the next few years. We'll have to see how all of that grows and changes and how it trickles down to those folks with hundreds and even a few thousand uh, listeners compared to the millions that you typically see with the largest podcasts out there. So really exciting things. Make sure you tune in for us next week as we go ahead and continue to discuss some of the most relevant news in the podcasting industry and give you some important key tips and tricks to make your podcast better and be discovered more. Thanks very much. See you guys next week. That's all for today's podcast news, tips, and tricks. You can find us at mypodcastagency.com or on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at QDUP Audio. Make sure to share us with your podcast friends and follow us on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks for podcasting with us, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday.